Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by Dominic Orlando. Yahoo! That came out alright, actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, episode 205 if you heard the laughter you will know that this is a guest we had previously on the podcast from dual shockers alisa james hey how's everyone doing doing good glad to have you back um people will eventually hear uh, me and you recorded a pokemon sword and shield isle of armor discussion that'll be going up which is going to be great we talked about the dlc and our thoughts on it and the implementation of the dlc moving forward so I appreciate you joining me for that. That was a really good discussion we had. Yep, it was. It was. It was a lot of fun. Like, I, I love talking anything Pokemon, so it's always a blast to find other, like, hardcore fans of the series <laughs> to, like, kind of bounce back and forth, you know? Yeah, like I mentioned on the on the discussion, I was like, you know, Dom's not going to have that discussion with me, so I had to find somebody to talk to about Pokemon. <laughs> so he just looks at me with a blank stare, and I'm like, okay, I just need to talk Talking about these Pokemans, whatever. Pokemans. Um, we were going to have a pretty light show, and then Nintendo decided to drop a direct for Super Mario's 35th anniversary out of nowhere, which that'll be the big topic of the show. But we have a rundown to get to. First up, I wanted to start with this PlayStation financial report. Um, basically, for their year 2020, they made a bunch of statements to their stockholders and investors, and internet websites as they do ran with headlines about what they talked about. So I'll go through these bullet points real quick, and then we'll have a discussion about, do these matter? Do they not? Are they just statements for statement's sake? What do we think about them? The first one, they're looking to acquire more studios to grow first-party slash PlayStation Studios. Number two, looking to bring more of their first-party games to PC platform in the future. Number three, large focus on increasing number of exclusive games and advancing virtual reality. So three different things there. We got the growing the first-party, bringing first-party games to PC, and obviously increasing exclusive games in VR. Where do you guys want to start at? Uh, Dom, you want to shoot first? Which one of these is most interesting to you, and what do you think about the statement itself? I actually like the VR statement. Um, I know a lot of people want to talk about the PC one, but the, the VR thing is exciting to me because I, I don't even have a PSVR or any VR unit, but because um, I've been like hesitant to jump in. They're, they're kind of pricey, um, and the support has been like, good you know not great so far um but over the past like two years i've slowly been you know as games trickle out for psvr i've slowly been like okay maybe i can get into this and uh recently when they just had um vader immortal come over to psvr now i'm like ooh, okay now i really want to get into this but knowing that they're going to make a you know a version two probably soon i hope i don't really know um i'm, I'm kind of waiting for that before i invest um, but that's so that, that was exciting news to me to hear like that's still important to them and that's a platform that they're going to keep uh, p- you know p- putting money into and, and supporting so I was excited to hear that yeah it's interesting I don't think that's one out of the three bullet points that people would you know lean right. on Alisa um, yeah. are you with Dom with VR being the most interesting statement here or do you is your interest lined elsewhere on it um, well, the VR thing was actually uh, pleasantly surprising that they're going to make sure to support it. For me, I'm just I'm like I'm probably with a lot of people where I'm really excited about more first party and exclusives um, because I feel like that that's something that you know I think they really need to keep growing. I know some people kind of feel um, weird about exclusives. For me, I feel like they're absolutely uh, necessary because they are what sets any console apart it's like otherwise they would just feel the same so um i'm really excited to see like what first party i mean what studios they're gonna acquire what kind of new games i really hope that they they diversify you know their um uh their their genres a bit more you know and i'm, I'm really really excited to see like what kind of uh, uh games are going to be seeing in the future from this so that's what really attracted me yeah, and I'm with you there that people's focus on the exclusive stuff, I think there's a weird line to draw. Um, exclusive games make sense because, like you said, they're a reason to buy the platform, right? They set it apart. 
I think the issue, my issue personally, is like with the Marvel's Avengers, where it's exclusive content, right? You're allowing oh, yeah. everybody to buy the game on any platform, but you're tying content in that game to a specific platform, which sounds really icky. Whereas, like, yeah. Xbox owners, yeah, they may be upset that they can't play Last of Us Part Two, but they're not getting less of Last of Us Part Two. You know what I mean? They're just exactly. not getting it at all. So it's like, okay. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think exclusive games that need to exist if we're going to have multiple platforms trying to sell their own platform. Um, you mentioned diversity, right, in the PlayStation library. Uh, our next story is about a very diverse list of games that have been coming out for Microsoft Game Studios, or rather Xbox Game Studios, that it's been relabeled. And, you know, they might not have the first-party exclusive triple-A beautiful games like The Last of Us and God of War yet, which we've seen they're building towards, but they have had this influx of double-A, triple-A games in these offbeat genres, right, that add to the diversity of their portfolio. And one of them, Microsoft Flight Simulator, is having a really good time. It was announced that it's the biggest Xbox Game Pass launch for PC to date. It currently has more than a million players, which is really impressive. We often talk about Game Pass and what it does for sales and the developers and we know from a lot of third parties and indies that they've seen increased sales from game pass contrary to popular belief and people are just wondering with microsoft investing in these games how are they getting the money back on the opposite end with just subscription services right since these games are launching in a game pass um the game reviewed very well i guess dom to you are you surprised that it's had this much success on game pass and are you surprised it's the most successful to date for pc uh, surprise, maybe a little bit. Um, but what I was gonna say was like this is uh, this is just something cool that's you know an effect of of Game Pass and ex- also extending it on the PC, right? Where a game like Flight Simulator or Wasteland Three, you know, just putting it out there for sixty dollars, like only on PC, um, would be you know they would struggle to sell a million units as quickly as you know they've just hit a million players on Game Pass, right? But I think what what we're gonna start seeing is Games in like kind of like more niche genres like that, you know, flight simulation and wasteland being uh like a what do you call it a CRPG, um that kind of yeah. top down style, you know, games like that that most people would probably be hesitant to you know fork over sixty dollars on if they're not familiar with the genres, you know, with get, have, already having um, already being subscribed to Game Pass, like where people are probably going to jump in, and you know with that naturally not everyone's going to love it, but you're gonna those genres are going to expand, right? Because um, a lot of people are going to find out that they like CRPGs um, and they just never tried it before. So, or they like flight simulators, and apparently that's like a one of the best, or if not the best. So, I think it's pretty cool. And it's also including Grounded, which is a Honey I Shrunk the Kids survival game, right? Another niche kind of genre. We also have a Pirate Games of Service game in Sea of Thieves. And that's the interesting thing is that there can be an argument made that PlayStation's exclusives lack a lot of risk and diversity. Tremendous games in their own right review very well very good games but game pass could be a way for these genres that aren't touched by a lot of players to get investment from right to your point so we'll see what happens it's really cool to see microsoft flight simulator taking off the way it has wow Uh, Wow. oh my god (laughs) uh, you mentioned wasteland 3 let's get into the review roundup so whenever there's multiple games coming out in a given week i like to do a little review roundup give some super high notes of reviews some medium notes and talk about the review scores in general I'm not listing Marvel's Avengers this week because as of looking and preparing for the show, there weren't many reviews out yet because it's a games of service game one and two, I think a lot of people want to experience the end game before they give a thorough review of it, their final thoughts. So we'll probably cover that next week when more reviews have rolled in. But two games that have plenty of reviews are Wasteland 3, which Don mentioned, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. And both of them reviewing very well. Way better than I thought either of them would review. Yeah. And let's get into this. So Wasteland 3 is currently sitting at an 86 on Metacritic. We have two reviews here. One from Elisa James' co-worker over at DualShockers and one from IGN. Let's start off with DualShockers. Chris Cornelise, I believe is how you say his name. Yeah. Um, he gave it a 90 and he said, quote, Improving on its predecessor in almost every way, Wasteland 3 is one of the best and most reactive RPGs I've ever I've played in a long time. And then Leif Johnson from IGN, who gave it an 80 on the lower end, which 80 is still a phenomenal score, uh, quote, Choices with major consequences, satisfying combat, and a boldly distinctive and humorous post-apocalyptic world make it a memorable RPG. Now, Elisa, I don't know if you had any interest in playing this game. Dom and I have been talking about this game 
And I've said that I wanted to dip my toe in even before we knew the review scores because as an Xbox primary platform user, right, I'm interested to at least try out their exclusives whenever they come out. This isn't an exclusive, though, so take that with the whatever because obviously this was in production before they acquired them. Anyways, I wanted to try it out. I've heard good things about the Wasteland series. A lot of reasons why Fallout exists is because of Wasteland. Did these reviews strike you as surprising, Elisa? Yeah, a bit. Like, I was, you know, I wasn't like super um heavy into the series. I mean, to the franchise, but I'm kind of keeping in. I was curious to see how three would uh, score, and yeah, it's actually pretty um surprising that it scores so high, and I mean, a pleasant surprise. So honestly. After seeing that, you know, after seeing, of course, uh, Chris's review and as a 90, you know, I was, I, 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 it piqued my uh, my uh, interest almost immediately. So now I think I might actually uh, check this game out. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, so, Dom, you're a big Fallout guy, obviously, if anybody's listening to the show. What do these reviews do for you, knowing that this is kind of where, you know, Fallout owes a lot of its credit to, is Wasteland? Well, what they do is uh, prompt me to have it already downloaded on my PC, and it's just waiting for me to finish. <laughs> yeah, tell me why. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited because um, this like like I said, the the CRP genre I have no experience with. C, CRPG genre I have no experience with, but I love all the modern Fallout games. And watching the reviews, I can see where even though the the combat is obviously turn based in this game, all the RPG elements and the skill the uh, the skill trees and all like the different ways you can handle situations are all like, that's all heavy in this kind of game. So I'm super excited to give it a try soon. And worst case scenario, you don't like it, but you didn't spend 60 bucks on that purchase, right? You spent what the five for Xbox game pass on PC. Exactly. First month is actually $1. <laughs> yeah, true. true. Uh, yeah. Next up, let's get into the second game here. Tony Hawk's pro skater one plus two. It's currently sitting at an 88 on Metacritic, which is phenomenal. I think it's Holy way crap. higher than anybody anticipated. Yeah. Um, if anybody remembers Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, which you shouldn't, what an abysmal <laughs> wet fart in an amazing franchise. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, even Tony Hawk was kind of upset. It kind of – the relationship between him and Activision uh, was put in a very weird place because of that game. Yeah. But, I wanted to get to these reviews. We have one from Luke Riley over at IGN, and we have one from Ben Tyrer from Games Radar. Let's get to Luke Riley uh, from IGN. He gave it a 90, and he, is, he said, quote, It's pretty easy to be cynical about how rapidly selling us our favorite video games again became a central pillar of Activision's business strategy. But when it's this much fun, I'm finding it impossible to be sour about it. It turns out going backwards has been the best step forward Activision has taken with the Tony Hawk series in nearly 14, uh, 15 years. What a great line. Going backwards has been the best step forward. Great writing on your part, Luke Riley. Um, <laughs> I, I love that clever stuff. Next up, Ben Tierer. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Tell me how to pronounce your name. It's just not a name I see very often in the games world. Over at Games Radar, he gave it an 80. And he said, quote, Vicarious Visions has built an, an engine that could actually push the series in a new direction. With the focus of skating rather than gimmicks that came out from the annual release cycle that the series was stuck in. Here's hoping this is more of a warm-up than a victory lap. So, wasn't as hot on it as, obviously, Luke Riley was. Um, but I like to give both perspectives here. I do think nostalgia could play a strong factor in how much you enjoy this game. This piques my interest i it's not a 60 dollar release i believe i think it's 30 or 40 yeah um, 40 i think yeah these are it's reviewing way better than i anticipated especially for a skating game in 2020 i guess we'll start with you here dom 88 is this anywhere in the realm of what you thought this game would review as no not a chance i would have <clears throat> predicted like high 70s right um but I, i'm in like i'm gonna try this out um, i was never huge because i wasn't a playstation one guy but there were some of the Tony Hawk games on, like, PS2 that um, me and one friend of mine were big into back in the day. And, uh, like, look, like reading and watching some of these reviews, it's, like, it has, like, all the stuff that made those games cool. Like, the music is something that everyone mentions, and this game does it right. Not only bringing back a lot of the original music, but adding <clears throat> current music, but current music that fits that, like, you know, that punk, rebellious kind of Tony Hawk, you know culture i guess yeah. um i'm into it um 
I'm probably going to try it out, especially it being only a $40 title. Uh, Alisa, do you think you have to have a sense of nostalgia for either skating or the series in general to enjoy this, despite the reviews? Um, well, I think I definitely have nostalgia because I I did, like, grow up playing these types of games, like, you know, the Pro Skater series, um, uh, uh, SX. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Underground. Like, you know, there's a lot of extreme sports kind of games because I played a lot of snowboarding, you know, games too. So I love them. And, I, you know, I don't like to think about the um, the that latest Pro Skater. <laughs> 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 uh, but, um... But I was, I'm on a, you know, I, I was kind of a little hesitant because I was worried that, you know, man, if this is going to be like a, a, a poorly uh, done, you know, um, a re-release or like remake of it, like it's not going to play very well, or hold up well. And so I'm honestly like really happy to see it review so well. And even like on the lower end, you know, with Ben here, he's so optimistic. I mean, he was even talking about how they literally built this engine that's sustainable. It could really, like, push the franchise forward if they choose to do it. And I'm that, that just makes me really happy to see that, like, they really took the time and really, like, uh, they, they, they built this engine from the ground up just for these uh, remakes. And they were really serious about making these games great. And, you know, I've been watching people's gameplay as well. It looks phenomenal too, like how it plays. And uh, I definitely got to get around to to picking uh, this game up because I'm just so excited about. It. I'm so happy that it turned out so good. I mean, Activision is batting three for three with my childhood right now. They did the yeah. Crash thing. I absolutely loved it. They did the Spyro trilogy. I absolutely loved it. And now this one's reviewing phenomenally. And you know, to uh, Luke Riley's point where you could be cynical about Activision dipping into their history, at least they're doing it right. It's one yeah. thing to go back and try to pander to your audience of like, here's an old game you loved, buy it again. And they're saying that, but they're like, oh, it's actually good. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> game, buy it again, but it's good. So exactly. it's great to see. I think this is one of the big wins for 2020 we've needed is this game that people are skeptical about actually being good, which is awesome. Uh, I agree. Let's hop into the Super Mario 35th anniversary news. So Nintendo, out of nowhere, was like, hey, 8 a.m., here's a Nintendo Direct focus on Super Mario's 35th anniversary. And people were excited because we were anticipating this uh, re 3D remake collection that was supposed to be coming out, but it was much more than that. I picked out the four biggest announcements from the Direct. There was a lot of other stuff with a, an augmented reality product and you know pins and other things, but... I wanted to get the four most important video game related stuff. So, in honor of Super Mario's 35th anniversary, Nintendo released a direct focus on releases and announcements related to the celebration through March 31st of 2021. Remember that date in your head. It's going to be an important date to remember. March 31st, 2021. So first up, we got the announcement of Super Mario 3D World, which is releasing on February 12th of 2021. will include Bowser's Fury DLC, which is new content, so an added incentive to get the game. Seems like more content than Crank... Well, not Cranky Kong. Funky Kong? Which one was the one added to Tropical Freeze for the Switch release? I think, I think it, it was, was Funky like Kong. Funky Kong, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, that inclusion was kind of divisive among Nintendo fans for the $60 purchase because they didn't know if it was enough new to justify it, right? Whereas this yeah. seems like it's going to be a big package of DLC for people to get excited about. Next up, we had Super Mario 35. This is a battle royale in the vein of Tetris 99. It's essentially just with Tetris 99 with a Mario skin on it, if you want to be derivative. Um, so if you loved Tetris 99, you're going to love the heck out of this. It's released on October 1st of 2020, and it's playable until March 31st, 2021. So not available. You don't think like, oh, I can only download, download this up until March 31st. No, you can only play this game up until March 31st. And then it's going into what Twitter has been calling the Nintendo Vault of taking the Disney approach of putting things into the vault. So very interesting there. Uh, that kind of uh, format for releases we're going to touch on again. Uh, and also that Super Mario 35 is going to be exclusive to Nintendo Switch Online members. So if you pay the, pay the 10 bucks to get really bad Smash matches online, <laughs> you can get this for free as well. Uh, next up. Super Mario 2D All-Stars. This is the old school collection on the Super Nintendo. It's going to be available in the online member app for the Super Nintendo 
if you're unfamiliar with Super Mario 2D All-Stars, which is considered by many to be the greatest video game of all time, which is kind of a cheat because it collects all of these games, it includes Super Mario Bros. 1, 2, 3, and the Lost Levels, which are... I've never played the Lost Levels personally. Have you guys? No. No. Well, actually, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, I played 1, 2, and 3, obviously. Um, yeah. And lastly, and we're... I, for everyone listening, I'm going through these, and then we're going to have a discussion afterwards of which announcements we found most exciting. I just kind of wanted to go through all of it because it's quite a lot to digest. Uh, and lastly, the big one, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. This is releasing on September 18th, which is two weeks from the day we're recording this. Uh, it's going to be for $60. It includes Super Mario 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy. No, my mic didn't cut out. They didn't include Galaxy 2. Uh, all of the music available... <laughs> Uh, from the series, uh, those three games, to listen to in-game, which is really neat. Some of the format and resolution stuff. So in terms of format, Super Mario 64 is going to stick to 4x3. Sunshine and Galaxy were expanded to 16x9. If you're unfamiliar, 4x3 is the square uh, format, and the 16x9 is what you're used to watching YouTube or anything on TV or a computer monitor. And the other information for resolution... Super Mario 64 will be 720p on both handheld and uh, TV. Sunshine and Galaxy will be 1080p on TV, 720 on handheld. Another big thing. There was a lot of confusion with Joy-Cons. Do I need Joy-Cons to play Galaxy? Do I not? If I have a Nintendo Switch Lite, do I need Joy-Cons to even play any of these games? What's going on? That was all clarified. The only reason you would need Joy-Cons is if you feel like using motion controls for some reason... Uh, or for the Nintendo Switch Lite if you want to do the co-op mode in Galaxy. Those are the only reasons you would need Joy-Cons. Otherwise, you can play all these games without those. There's a lot of misinformation out there. It's clarified. You don't have to use weird motion controls if you don't like them. You don't have to buy them if you have a Nintendo Switch Lite. Unless you want to play co-op, I guess. And lastly, will only be available to purchase both physically and digitally up until, you guessed it, March 31st, 2021. This is the thing that has a lot of people thrown up in the air of this Disney Vault, Nintendo Vault thing of, like, why are you only making this available to purchase for a limited time? And, yeah, it's it's very odd. Um, I guess I want to start there because I have two major gripes of Super Mario, Brother, Super Mario Brothers 3D All-Stars before we get into the good stuff. First of all, I'm super bummed these are, like, bare minimum ports. And I hate to be too harsh on that, but from what we're hearing, it's like they've been optimized and the resolution's been fixed a bit, but these aren't what was rumored, right? These aren't the ground-up remakes. These aren't the new assets. These are just simple ports that are optimized for Switch for the most part. And then to make it so people can only purchase this until March 31st is gross. It's another weird Nintendo anti-consumer thing. Nintendo has plenty of weird stuff that, like, why are they doing this? The cynic in me says it's that way they can sell each of those games separately on Switch for individual price, like maybe 30 bucks or 40 bucks afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the cynic in me anyways. I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. I still want to buy this game, as we talked about, Dom. I'm, I'm going to purchase this game, and I'm, I'm going to be excited to play it. But I'm not as excited. It kind of was like, you know, getting your your favorite meal, but it's like lukewarm, or at least cold. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like not exactly how you want it, but you got it anyways. Um <laughs> And maybe you guys want, if you want to switch your subject, that's fine to one of the other announcements. But for me, I wanted to focus on those two things because they are glaring issues for me with this announcement. Yeah, it's, I feel you. Like, I, I was hoping for, like, a full-on remake, especially looking at 64. Like, that game, you know, revolutionary, you know, can, camera and controls for the time, but that's not going to hold up well. Um, you would constantly, especially in that game where it's, you know, a new 3D platformer. Um, the camera is something you're always fighting. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a bummer that like that and like, you know, they couldn't add new textures, that kind of stuff is definitely a bummer. But um, I'm still like super excited for this because um, 64 was, I think, the first video game I ever played. So I kind of have a soft spot for it and I'll, I'll pay money to play it again on Switch. Um, and then the other two, Sunshine and Galaxy, I never even played at all. So and Sunshine is a little more divisive, but Galaxy is one that a lot of people say is incredibly good. So I'm excited to try that out, even though it's not quite, you know, the the remake that that we hope for. 
the March 31st thing is like it weird. It seems arbitrary, like as if because um, they're going to sell more copies of this stuff until then by creating this kind of arbitrary demand of like, well, we got to get it before it goes away forever. Right. But they're sacrificing, you know, long term sales for the game. So it almost feels like they want it in the March 31st date to me says, well, that's maybe not in Japan. I don't know, but end of the fiscal year, right. Is something around there for Nintendo. So, so yeah. So it almost feels like they just wanted to really maximize sales up until, you know, the end of this fiscal year, even if it's sacrificing more sales in the long term. that's just a guess. Um, but also trying to make this whole Mario anniversary, like a timed thing. Like you gotta be a part of it now, you know, to be a part of it which I don't really like. But at the same time, it's like anyone who is aware and upset about that date, you know, if you're that upset about it, you'll buy it or you won't, you know? So like, it, I don't know. I'm not too hung up on it myself. I'm going to buy the game. So it's, yeah, it's a bummer like a year from now that like people might, who not didn't realize what this collection was, won't be able to get it potentially. Um, Cause the physical copies, you know, eventually are going to become limited. Uh, so that's a bummer, but like, if you're really into, into this series, into Mario and you have a switch, like you're going to buy it before March 31st. So like, it's stupid and arbitrary, but you know, I'm not getting too hung up on it myself. Elisa, do you think there's some people that, that believe that the reason this arbitrary line in the sand was drawn is because there likely isn't another big Nintendo holiday title so in order to bolster sales, like Dom said, they wanted to create a deadline so more people would buy it instead of waiting for a purchase. How do you feel about that? Do you think this is Nintendo's last big game release for the rest of the year? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm kind of half and half on that. Like, I feel like in general, like regardless, like they they know no matter what you know, Mario moves switches. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Like, it just sells. So they know if they... They know already just kind of releasing it in that holiday. And then, like you said, having that arbitrary sort of time limit on it is going to increase the the demand for it even further. Um, but that is actually a really good point about this maybe being, like, their uh, main um, holiday uh, launch. So that's what they're really trying to focus on that. Um, I also do agree that I think that they're limiting it because they, they're either planning on selling the game separately. I was actually thinking like they'd probably go with like about, you know, about $30 for each game. Hmm. Um, or someone else actually pointed out too, that they could be adding it to like, uh, like a, like a, as a package deal for the online membership, like make it exclusive to, to online subscribers, you know, after that date. So those are kind of like the two major theories that are sort of jumping out at me as to why they're putting that um, arbitrary limit, you know, on on it as well. So, I mean, and in my opinion, yeah, like it is it, it is pretty scummy. Like, I'm not going to defend that at all. Like, I mean, I, I still pre-ordered it, so I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I already pre-ordered it, so I'm like, I can't, I can't be too mad. I'm a big hypocrite, uh, but <laughs> but I could definitely see why people would be upset. And you know, if people are really upset, like the best way is just to you know show it with your wallets. Don't buy it, you know, uh, because otherwise, if you get mad and then you buy it anyway, you're just proving them right that it works. <laughs> which is funny you bring that up. So recently, Madden, which is a game I play and buy every year because I love professional football and i love madden um there was a big movement on twitter recently that said ea uh, nfl drop ea right because people are getting upset with ea's uh madden series and it feeling like it's not really improving or getting better every year came out today that madden 21 is selling 20 percent better than last year's madden <laughs> so you Even know it's reviewed pretty poorly compared to previous ones right exactly yep, yeah which shows that like they're not going to listen you gotta until, vote you know, exactly yeah um, I wanted to. I have two crazy conspiracy theories about this whole Nintendo March 31st thing. Okay? All right, let's tinfoil hat it up. And the latter, I believe more wholeheartedly than the former, but I think they're both interesting. So we know it's the end of the fiscal year. What else have we heard of that's supposedly coming out of March of next year, at least in that time frame? This rumored Pro Switch, right? Especially in the mm -hmm. last couple of weeks, there's been way more solid information about it, right? With this, I have one of two theories. One, 
they're ending the sale of it on March 31st because they're going to release a version of this for the Pro quote-unquote version of the Switch, and it's actually going to be the one with remastered Super Mario 64. Because this Switch can't handle it, or maybe they wanted to have a reason for you to buy the new model, right? And that's what I said. This one is way less believable. The one I think is way more believable is that just like Breath of the Wild was a launch title for the Switch, Super Mario Odyssey 2 could be a launch title for the Pro Switch. And you kind of maybe want to make sure everyone buys Super Mario Odyssey 2 over the old collection of games. So stop selling it, get ready for one single Mario title, because to Elisa's point, Mario moves units. And, you know, I think having it in a way that you can't play Super Mario Odyssey 2 unless you have the newer model is a smart way to do that. And making sure it's the premier 3D Mario game on sale at that point could be huge, you know. Once again, I don't think either of them are true, but I do believe the latter way more than the former. Um, it's just so weird, man. The one that's real egregious is Super Mario 35 not even being playable after March 31st. Like, you just can't play that game after that date. Yeah. Very odd. For game preservation, it's really bad. I would love if they're like, yeah, it's only available until then because on April, March, yeah, April 1st, I wanted to make sure I got the date right. Those are the months that follow. Uh, April 1st, it turns into Super Mario 36, which would be hilarious because obviously it'd be Mario's 36th year. But yeah, it's just, it's a very odd choice. Uh, I don't like it. Gross. Yeah, me neither. Um, but overall, I'm excited about this stuff. I'm glad to have, you know, 2D All-Stars available to play. I want to check out those lost levels because like I said, I've never played them. And I guarantee you now, people are going to get inspired for Super, uh, for Mario Maker 2. Um, people who hadn't played a lot of these older games and go back and make new levels inspired by that. And like you guys, you two schmucks, I'm going to be buying 3D All-Stars as well, despite having gripes with it. Um, we're all just victims to the game at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I may, I may have gone on a little harsh about it. It did bum me out, Dom, that it wasn't a full remaster or remake, but... Um, I'm still glad I can play Super Mario 64 on my Switch. It's better than nothing at all. Yeah. yeah not entirely what we wanted. I've never been a fan of that approach because, like, that can lead <laughs> in a lot of bad directions, you know. Um, but, yeah. I'm glad it's only $60, too. Because, like Elisa pointed to, too, it could be $30 for all of them individually. could be $40. Uh, it is a Nintendo, by the way, Nintendo tax. Um I guess that's pretty much it for the news. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, you recently, Dom and I talked about doing a Tell Me Why video game book club. That'll start next week. I'm going to try to finish episode one, and so will he. And then we're going to talk about episode to episode, which is going to be really cool. But until that time, I've been playing Marvel's Avengers. Now, on the podcast I've talked about, I played the beta, and it got me more interested in the game. I ended up pre-ordering before the beta. I was also interested in it. I'm one of the people that... When they announced it was a games of service, it didn't dissuade me. Uh, I was actually, my ears perked up. It isn't the ideal Avengers game I want, but it definitely isn't not the Avengers game I want. Ever since playing Destiny 1 in 2013, my friends and I talked about, because we're all big MCU people, imagine if we had like a Destiny-style game with Marvel Heroes, right? And it actually came out eventually. Here you go. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. What granted. I will say is the gameplay loop is really strong. I'm currently still playing that campaign. I haven't entered Endgame or any of the multiplayer-centric stuff. I've solely been doing single-player campaign. We've been messaging about this, Dom. I think for anybody mildly interested in the MCU or Marvel, I think it is a must-play campaign. Maybe not now at $60, but if it gets on sale for 40 I do think it's worth playing for anybody who likes Marvel. It has those hooks. It has the Easter eggs. It has the callbacks. It just has that Marvel magic to it, which I really appreciate. Um, if you're into the games of service stuff, I do think it lends itself to that too. I haven't felt much grind yet. I haven't felt like I needed to escape the main single player to play the multiplayer in order to level up to continue the, the single player campaign. Characters are well acted. I would say out of the Avengers, um, I'm trying to avoid spoilers and stuff for people listening. So far, I have Kamala Khan... Hulk, Iron Man, and Black Widow, right? Because if you assume like an indie Avengers story, you have to reassemble the Avengers. Out of all of them, Kamala Khan and Black Widow are clearly the best. Like, they feel phenomenal. They feel like the Crystal Dynamics slash Naughty Dog gameplay. Like, they just feel so good and crisp and clean. 
Hulk, I, I've seen, is very divisive. I like him. He's just a big bruiser. If you've played any of the licensed Hulk games going back to, like, the PlayStation 1, you're going to love Hulk. He just smashes stuff and is very hectic. The disappointing one is Iron Man. I just... I don't understand how to use him in combat. I, just, I find myself dying more with him than any other character. I don't know if it's just because his combat doesn't click or just poorly designed. I haven't gotten to that point yet to figure that out. <laughs> and maybe we'll see internet talk about maybe he is just the worst designed one of the bunch. Uh, excuse me. Um, I am, I'm just loving it. The collectibles are great. Uh, we talked about the combat a little bit, Dom, and uh, button mashing was, was brought up. And this game does have button mashing. The primary combat is button mashy. But I will say it does have more depth than the Arkham series. And I'm not bashing the Arkham series. It's an older set of games. So obviously there's going to be improvements, right, to combat in modern gaming. And they probably took a lot of inspiration from there. But the depth of the skills, as well as the the specific things you can equip to change those moves ever so slightly. So let's say, for instance, me and you are both playing Black Widow. And you like to use range attacks and I like to use range attacks. There's enough variation even in the sliver of ranged attacks where your Black Widow can play different than mine. Because when we hear the concept in these games of like, well, your Captain America can play different than mine, you're like, okay, I can make my guy a build where he just throws a shield all the time and you make a build where you're up close and personal punching, right? And like very clear delineations. There's actually delineations in those two. So both of us can have a brawl in Captain America and mine can play different than yours. And that's not something I expected. I thought it was going to be a lot more of the simplistic division of playstyles, and there's a lot more in there in the nitty-gritty. Um, the campaign is around 10 to 12 hours, I've read. I'm currently like 6 to 7. Kamala Khan is the star of the show. It was so smart for them to make her the main character of the game. The way she works in the narrative of being the driving force and the player that... The character that the player can connect to because she is in this world surrounded by superheroes. And representation. We've talked about this plenty of times on the podcast of... Last time Elisa was on the show, representation in video games, right? Yeah. <laughs> um... It's just so great to have somebody like that leading a video game, a superhero video game at that. And for me, being a comics guy and a Marvel guy, I've known about Kamala Khan for years. I love her. Such a great character. The world's learning about Kamala Khan now. And that's awesome. And we're going to have little girls running around with Kamala Khan costumes, being excited because that's their new favorite superhero. Just like we saw with Captain Marvel. Just like we saw with Rest in Peace Chadwick Boseman with Black Panther, right? I just think it's really cool. Um, Yeah having a blast with it i know neither of you are likely interested in marvel's avengers but do you guys have any questions for me since i've played quite a bit of it dude i'm i've been like this is one of those games where like yeah i don't necessarily want to play it myself but i've been so interested in like reading reviews and just hearing about a lot about it. it's one of those games where like even though i'm it's not for, necessarily for me i'm like I'm, it's grabbing my mind right but yeah the only thing i want to say that like i i'll just echo what you just said about kamala khan like for them to make a game called Marvel's Avengers, right? And I'm looking at an ad on IGN right now, and it's like, you know, Captain America is front and center, right, on on the marketing. You can yeah. see Kamala in the background a little bit, but barely, right? So for them to call a game that, market it as that, like this is the this is the Avengers, this is like the MCU, this is like Endgame, Infinity War that you just watched in theaters a year ago, right? But then to make Kamala Khan like the protagonist, right and like she like owns the story effectively like as that's really cool um for one it makes it more interesting you're getting a fresh new character like as much as everyone loves the mcu and the avengers like you don't want to like redo the same thing just in a video game right yeah so and then also for like yeah to to get more representation like when now we're gonna like like you just said now more little girls are gonna be interested in the avengers going forward um and more like is I assume like Kamala Khan is like I don't know Middle Eastern or something. I, I I'm not. Yeah. I don't know her enough like you do, but um, but yeah. So like I think that's. It sounds like I don't want to say brave because that that almost sounds like giving them too much credit, but it's more than a lot of other video games are doing. Right? I would say it's Especially bold. Yeah. I would say it's bold. Maybe not yeah. brave. Brave is a little too like self-reverential. Right. Uh, <laughs> and to your point though, uh, Captain America is front and center on that ad. If you watch the with every Square Enix release, you know how they have their big CG trailer, right? That's like looks nothing like the game. It's super beautiful. They do it with all the Final Fantasy games. She's like very prominent in that trailer. I just wanted to clarify okay. to listeners because it's not like a thing where they're it's not an Assassin's Creed situation, right? Where Cassandra was hidden for the longest time and then she was the best character to choose from in that game. 
They're, they're, Kamal Khan's prominent in a lot of the marketing, too, which is great. Alisa, yeah. I doubt you have interest in this game, just knowing about your specific gaming interests, but did you have any questions for me, or what are your thoughts on Marvel's Avengers at all? Um, so, yeah, so I was, um, really, really excited when I found out that, you know, Kamala Khan was the, um, actual leading character, because I, I love her comics, too, like, I've been reading them for years, and she is a phenomenal character, she, she's, she's very popular with, uh, readers, and it's nice to see her in a game, I know you mentioned that she's prominent in the marketing, I guess I didn't really see that until the tail end, like, I felt like, when they were really promoting this game, like, you know, for the longest, like, they didn't really even show her. Yeah. Um. So I feel like a lot of people going in, they just have the image of, you know, the, the mainstay team. And then, you know, Kamala's going to be like, oh, okay, it's a Kamala game, you know. So I, I, I do wish that from the very beginning she was more prominent uh, in the marketing. Like, that would have been... I do think that was... Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I do think it was a narrative thing, right? Because... When right. we first saw Avengers, we saw the A-Day ship, right? And we saw it explode. And then you heard people mention Terrigen. Now, if you're a comics reader, you know that Terrigen is what created the Inhumans, and you know that that's how Kamala Khan got her powers. So yeah. the first marketing beat was, there's A-Day, there was a Terrigen explosion. Then I don't know if you remember, like, the second wave of marketing, they revealed that Kamala Khan was on the ship, and she fell, and she started inhaling the Terrigen mist. So I do right. think it was planned for them to slowly lead up to that, because... They wanted people to believe that, oh, this is an Avengers game. You're going to be playing as the Avengers. And then the reveal of, oh, wait, Kamala Khan's in this game. Um, but, yeah, I do agree with you that they could have come on a little bit stronger with that. It is also weird, I mean, to point out that mm -hmm. Captain America's front and center in a lot of these ads. And spoiler alert, he dies in the, first, in the opening yes. version of the game. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that was in all the trailers and advertising style. It's, okay. like, very I'd obvious and people know about which is like, is he dead? It's like the whole Batman thing with Gotham Knights. Is he dead? Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's also odd too. But sorry to cut you off, Elisa. Oh, it's okay. So I also wanted to ask um, about Hulk. Cause I'm actually kind of interested because I have heard people on the other spectrum who like really despise him. And one thing that I heard, you know, people mention was they felt like his damage output doesn't scale well. Like they kind of limited him. Like, People complain that why am I playing Hulk and Kamala Khan does the exact same amount of damage he's where Hulk's only yeah like Hulk's only like his big thing is he's just a, a <laughs> giant bruiser who's supposed to be really powerful and if he plays exact like if he does the exact same damage as Kamala I might as well just play as Kamala like that that was kind of something that I was hearing from other people so like you know how did how did you feel about that? that affect you in any way so hulk is my favorite superhero full transparency um <laughs> and i totally get that and i think that is the superhero fandom part of people speaking of like well yeah obviously hulk's the strongest hero bar none so why is he doing the same amount of damage we have to come to it from perspective of like game design of like yeah. in a multiplayer game where you're playing you would just make a character that's so supremely overpowered that it wouldn't make the game fun for people playing as other characters, right? Like, if I'm right. stomping through absolutely destroying everyone with Hulk, and you're Kamala Khan or Black Widow, like, what's the point of you even being there? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I, I completely understand that. The thing I will say about Marvel's Avengers is that they put so much of a primary focus on each of those characters playing so differently that the damage output thing doesn't really ever personally bother me because... It feels so unique to play as Hulk, and it feels so unique to play as Kamala Khan. So even though they might, depending on their levels, because obviously that's a whole factor of like your gear and stuff, even if they are relatively putting out the same damage outputs at max level, I have specific moves I can do with Hulk that I'm comfortable with that may do damage in certain scenarios that Kamala Khan can't do. And also playing in with him moment to moment feels completely different. So the damage could be an argument you could have, but... Saying simply like, oh, they do the same damage, why not play as this other character? I don't think it's solely based on power fantasy. I do think it is on playstyle, and everyone likes different right. playstyles, right? So I do think them focusing on that gives an argument to the damage thing being valid. I think if that wasn't a focus, and it, they didn't really feel all too you know, unique, and they were very similar, I, I completely agree with that could be a running sentiment that could be believed, but 
they just feel so different to me that that's not even a concern. Like, I get it from a game design perspective. It doesn't bother me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's got to be something like you slow down Hulk's attacks, um, but up the power out or, the, you know, the damage output, right? So we're like, it, I don't know how easy that I've never designed a game, right? <laughs> so it's <laughs> probably difficult, but that's how I envision it, especially having just come off of Dark Souls playing. I played uh, like 100 hours of Dark Souls 3, where it's like, you could build your character to be, you know, a strength build and, you know, has super high damage output, but you're swinging really slow. So yeah, it, yeah. it's tough to figure out that balance, but like, that's how I could envision it going where Hulk is like slower, but he takes, it only take him two hits to kill somebody. Whereas, you know, Black Widow or Kamala is like really quick, but I don't know. It, again, that's probably easier said than done. Like, you, you're dealing right. with like six Avengers cool. trying to balance it out and you got online going on that's... That's a Six Avengers for now. Here's the other right. thing I want to say is um, not only is the combat unique to each traversal, is right? Each of them feel unique to mm. to move across the maps. And another thing, I forgot what the general name for it is, but there's this bar you fill up during combat using basic attacks and moves. And for each character, it when you activate it with right trigger, it does something completely different. So for Hulk, it's a gamma thing where he starts gaining health back, but his power his his moves become more powerful and he starts glowing green, right? For Black Widow, it allows her to swing and grab somebody with a wire and pull herself towards them, so to close the gap on enemies. Um, for Kamala Khan, it... I'm trying to remember what hers does. Oh, it's an auto-dodge. So as long as you're holding right trigger and you have the bar, you can be in combat and fight, and because her body's stretchy, if somebody comes to swing at her, she'll auto-dodge it it's and like, oh, avoid wow. the attack. Yeah. <laughs> so all of them have very unique things, and they play completely different. And that's why I think the damage thing is... I don't want to say irrelevant because it's a very valid point, especially for comic book nerds. But I do right. think they, they work around it, especially with the narrative of it being aimed with robots. They have the argument of like, well, they, they're, they're these living adaptoids that can adapt to whoever they're facing. So maybe they don't adapt as strongly to Kamala Khan, but they get really strong for Hulk. So that's why it looks like they're doing the same damage. You know what I mean? You can make those like leaps in logic in your head. It is a valid point, though. So I don't want to dismiss I mean, it, but. But it's it's the Avengers at the end of the day, right? It's like yeah. you're talking about the a bunch of different characters, very different powers. Like it, it's kind of like there's you're gonna break reality a little bit here and there. Exactly. Like it's impossible yeah. not to. But, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to ask or talk about? You want to move on from Avengers? How does uh, Captain America's butt look in this game? <laughs> very good, even though I only saw it for five minutes. Very good. Okay. Shield, super satisfying. That's why I'm bummed that I can't play with him. <laughs> bummed? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, the one thing I want to say, too, is we didn't know what the post-launch support was in terms of timing for the characters. We know that all of the uh, additional heroes are free, and then we also talked about the whole battle pass thing, and that was... Hyper hyperbolic and people misconstrued exactly what it meant. Anyways, they came out and said that we're getting Kate Bishop Hawkeye in uh, October and then Clint Barton in November. So if they're adding a new hair every month, that's oh going to be pretty God. huge. Pretty, pretty huge. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I wanted to get to Spirit Fair. Didn't have a chance. So this next week I'm going to be focusing, in addition to Marvel's Avengers, Spirit Fair, and obviously Tell Me Why Episode 1 for our discussion. Dom, what have you been playing? Well, I started – I'll save, like, the real talk for Tell Me Why till next week. But I'm, like, an hour and a half into it. And already, I'm like, I love these characters, and I am i can't wait to finish it. So I'll just, you know, just say at least that much. It's really good so far. Um, otherwise, I have Game Pass for PC booted up. So I've just can, been kind of, like, toying around with some other stuff. First thing is Rage 2 is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a, a game that I thought might be cool before it was released. They, had, you know, Bethesda had kind of hyped it up pretty big at one of their E3 shows, and it kind of came out to like, it's all right, you know, it's fine. Um, but it's one of those things. It's on Game Pass, so all it costs me is the time to download it at this point. So, um, yeah, true. Um, started that up, and it's it's really cool so far. So, the combat is probably even like it's like Doom 2016 or Doom Eternal feels like that but even more varied um already like only a couple hours in there's gotten a couple of different abilities and different ways that you can play so that's already like i already kind of like that combat better it's not quite as fast as doom but it feels 
good like that. It feels super satisfying. Um, the story is basically nonsense, but that's all right because it's, and that's not really what I'm there for. It's just um, like a really solid, you know. Um, is the gameplay loop good? Uh, I want to play it more before I say too much on that, but like so far, like, because I've been unlocking abilities fast, so that feels really yeah. good. Um, and I've only gotten like a, a small chunk of the world and a lot of people's complaints are like, yeah, the, the questing and the world is kind of like lame. You know, it, it's not like, it's kind of like you just, it's barren and you go place to place, kind of like a Mad Max thing. There's not too much going on. So we'll see like the on some range. of that. <laughs> right. Better yeah. Worse, yeah. So, um, but like the, the actual like feel of the gameplay, like the shooting mechanics and abilities are really cool. Um, so I'll, I'll probably finish it and, uh, I don't think it's too big of a game. So, like, again, it's a Game Pass game, so it's pretty cool so far. Um, Didn't finish uh, or didn't really get into Wasteland 3 yet. That's the other one I'll have more on soon. But actually, I think that's it. I think that's everything I've been playing. Oh, actually, one other thing. One of the PlayStation Plus games last month was a game called Erica. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a – if you remember, uh, Netflix had a, a Black Mirror feature thing called Bandersnatch where you actually are making choices for the, the characters in the TV show on Netflix. And so that this this PlayStation game was basically that, where most of what you're seeing on the screen is acted by actual, you know, live actors. Um, but you're, you, the player, are inner, like telling them what to say um, and picking things on the screen, kind of like an adventure game. And it was kind of a, like a horror cult kind of a game. Uh, me and my wife played it, through it together. It was only a couple hours. And... It was really cool. Um, again, a free PlayStation Plus game, so I, it was actually pretty neat. So that the acting was really good, and the way, kind of the the, it didn't, immersion was never really broken for like it's as if you're watching a movie, then all of a sudden like everything stops, and uh, it's like you get to pick what she's gonna say next, and uh, but it felt natural, you know, it didn't feel like it pulled you out of it or anything like that. It felt pretty cool, so it was interesting. And you finally platinumed uh, Dark Souls three. Yeah, yeah, it took yeah. a long time, but it's it's platinumed. It's a really great game. Like, <laughs> I could go on about Dark Souls three for a long time, um, and I have before. But yeah, I, I like it. Alisa, <laughs> uh, what have you been playing? Um, so mainly I've been playing um, Crusader Kings three. Um, Getting very cause... good reviews, right? Or no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's um. It's it, it's really good. I I've never actually played the franchise before. This is like my first one, so I was going in like fresh. And I normally don't play strategy games that much, but this one is just phenomenal. One, it it has like a more personal touch. Like you know how the games like um Civilization is more kind of like it you know pulls out more. Like you're more worried about just you know, building this empire and just, like, really expanding, expanding, you know, and kind of managing, like, on that, like, greater level. And while you do do that in Crusader Kings 3, it's a very, very personal, like, um, perspective because basically you're in charge of your dynasty. And so you're playing as these player characters, these these rulers, you know, throughout your dynasty, and you're basically trying to uplift that dynasty and ensure that it's, um, you know, going to – that not only do they gain in power, but that, you know, they'll be prosperous in general. Um, so, you know, you're dealing with, like, a royal court life. Um, you know, you're kind of dealing with, like, the console that helps you rule and, you know, all these other things like, you know, um, uh, arranging marriage and managing war because you do have to expand your realm as well um, and build alliances. And then, like, you know, you have uh, really cool gameplay mechanics like ske- uh, schemes, which is uh, basically this kind of ongoing, like, plots. Uh, and you have, like, your regular schemes, which, you know, can be just, like, befriending people, making allies. And then you have the hostile ones, which is, like, seduction and murder. <laughs> My two favorite and, hobbies, seduction yeah. and murder. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, um, so it's really, really fun, like, actually, like, you know, picking a mark and then seeing, like, you know, how successful it's going to be or not or if it'll be discovered. You know, you have, like, one of your console people, the spy master who helps you with this. You can rope in other people to help you. You know, like, I actually, in my playthrough, I actually, um... Uh, I, I put in a murder 
uh, scheme on one of my council members because they were really incompetent, but like they were religious leaders, so I couldn't just like get you know demote them. I had it, so I was like, you know what, that's it. <laughs> I hope you don't get found out. Like... <laughs> and actually, it actually worked out, and it's it's like strangely exciting. Like like you know, you're kind of still anticipating like, oh my, am I gonna get away with this? Like, is it gonna work? You know, and it, it actually did. It was. <laughs> It was, you know, so you have like that kind of stuff go on, like on this like day to day thing, and it's it, it it really sets it apart, and it just makes it so much fun, like to really delve into these like the, these people, and like and you know, and, and they did a phenomenal job with the world building, like incredible, because the game itself it's basically Europe, uh, most of Asia, and Northern Africa. And, you know, no matter what ruler you play, which you ha- you can pick from hundreds of rulers to play as. And no matter which one you play, they're so accurately done. Like, their religion, their culture, like, their dress, like, their features, everything. So, it's just, and, like, they feel so different, too, you know. So, if you, you're playing one playthrough with someone who has Catholicism, they're going to play, it's going to be extremely different in every way from, like, um, you know, Hinduism uh, based uh, culture or, you know, um, p- uh, uh, pagan culture or uh, Buddhist or, you know, what have you. So, and then also, too, you can actually form your own religions. They're, like, known as heresies if you want to actually, like, you know, found those as well and, like, just create brand new ones. So you have those options. But it's just really cool how it's so interwoven and, like, just so well fleshed out. It's just, like, it's that type of game where before you know it, like, three hours passed in the blink of an eye because you're just so, like, engrossed in, like, managing everything and trying to placate everyone and just balancing. It's a, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. Like, I really love this game, so... <laughs> What and I want to say real quick is it's on Game Pass for PC. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I think this yeah. is one of those that's on there. So Guess what I'm downloading after we finish. Yes, it is, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah. actually. Yeah, so that, that's the good thing. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's it's phenomenal. I, I think you'll absolutely enjoy it. Um, if you do test it out, definitely play the tutorial. Uh, it's an option that appears when you first boot up the game. Because, uh, especially for new players, you really need to. Because it'll introduce to you like all the mechanics how to you know go through all the menus how to read information things like that so definitely play that tutorial i believe it starts you off in ireland so you're playing as like a king of a domain in ireland and you go from there and it's actually pretty like it's a pretty easy way to start off so only five gigs too not a big download i'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah yeah it's no call of duty 150 <laughs> Uh, 170 right now on my Xbox, by the way, if you want to. I thought I was exaggerating. (laughs) Yeah, kill me. I can't wait for the SSDs on the new consoles, man. Shrink that baby down. Um, (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we get going, Elisa, in terms of what you played? Oh, no, that's that's the game that's been just sucking up all my time. Like, I'm still playing it. (laughs) I can imagine when I go into those Civ rabbit holes of playing Civilization, I'll lose so many hours to it. I can just imagine how this game's going to be. I'm excited to at least dip my toes in and check it out. That being said, uh, can you please let the people know where they can find you on the internet? Okay, so I write for uh, DualShockers.com. Um, it's a video game site. You know, it's really great. We do news, um, interviews, previews, uh, reviews, editorials, things like that. Um, you know, updates daily. So phenomenal content. Um I also co-host a podcast called Mega Ten Marathon, where we run through Shin Megami Tensei games. Um, you know, and we're like, we'll play through them. We'll like talk about the actual gameplay and the dungeon design, the characters, mythology, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a really nice like deep dive in these games. If you know whether you're a very like um, hardcore fan or if you're just casual and just interested in learning a little bit more, uh, if you want to just chat me up on Twitter, my handle is at ajames three four seven. Just, you know, you could talk to me about, like, JRPGs, like, really anything like that, you know. I'm, I'm always open to chatting about pretty much anything. <laughs> uh, thanks for rejoining us on, on the podcast. We had you, obviously, a while back, and when we were planning to do the Pokemon discussion that we had, which definitely check that out, guys, when it comes out, me and uh, Elisa talking about Isle of Armor. Uh, I was like, yeah, let's just get you back on the podcast, too. Why not? 
So yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you for having, thank you for having me again. I really enjoy myself. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Uh, I like yeah. doing this. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on YouTube. Search "Controlled Interest" will pop right up. Like the video if you enjoyed it. Leave a comment. I reply to all the comments unless they're the weird like porn spammy comments that are I've seen those on our channel man what is that about that's in what? it's a YouTube thing in general it's just yeah <laughs> it's a thing uh, it's on like Instagram too very bad anyways on Twitter you can follow me at Jared underscore you can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT that's controlled interest abbreviated uh, what else am I missing here uh, iTunes if you listen to us on iTunes leave us a review there it helps us a ton you listen on Spotify, thank you. Just you know, leave all the episodes running, <laughs> so you can get a, we can get a listen on each of them. That'll help. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Two hundred five episodes deep. We'll come back next week. We have our special video game book club with Tell Me Why. I'm interested to see if I like it as much as Dom has so far. See you guys then.